this is Buck Bagwell, and you're listening to Wrestling With Ideas. <laughs> Welcome inside the CKDJ Studios for Wrestling With Ideas here on CKDJ 107.9. I am Zach Begibbon, and on the line with me, he is a five-time WCW Tag Team Champion. He is known as Buff Daddy, and he is certainly known to bring the stuff. It is Buff Bagwell. Buff, how are you doing today? Hey, hey. what's going on? What's going on? Uh, it's so, gra- so glad to have you on the show here. There's a lot of stuff going on with you right now. Um, we'll talk about your retirement tour, all that great stuff as well. Um, but first, I want to ask you a question that I ask everybody uh, on the show. How did you first uh, break into the wrestling business? How I, I broke in, uh, how I broke in the wrestling business was actually uh, my parents were very well off and they went broke my senior year. So we were going to work for my parents at the lumber yard, which my two older brother all, were, were already doing. And then when my parents go broke my senior year, he had enough to get us going in our own direction. And mine was uh, my brother. One brother picked a gym. One brother picked drywall. I I had no idea what do you do at eighteen. Um, I po I picked uh, massage therapy, thinking I could get a sports medicine kind of thing, or something to do with sports. Um, and so uh, out of be trying to be a massage therapist. I graduated massage therapy school, wasn't making any money doing that. And Missy Hyatt saw me at the pool one day and long story short, literally just got me, she got me a tryout and I, and I went down to school and just started paying my dues for a hot dog and a Coke. And there, <laughs> and there it goes. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and one of the first uh, big promotions you joined was the Global Wrestling Federation, uh, the promotion based out of Dallas. Uh, what was it like working for that uh, promotion, especially being able to be on ESPN at the time, which was a big deal in the wrestling business? I was really young, but I still knew it was a giant deal what was going on. Uh, there's WWF, there's WCW. And then there was Global, and, uh, and and we were on ESPN at a great time spot, 4 o'clock on Fridays, and we had a pretty good roster. Uh, Patriot, you know, X-Pac was there, Lightning Kid, uh, Eddie Gilbert, you know, Marcus Bagwell, Hansel Stranger, I mean, uh, you know, there was uh, you know, Raven. I mean, it was a heck of a heck of a heart of meat came in later on. I mean, it was a heck of a card, heck of a card. And so we really thought we had something. And it just, you know, just, it takes a lot of money, man. It takes a lot of money. And this really nice lady that was trying to run it, just, I think, just ran out of money. She just tried, you know, she really tried. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and one last quick thing on GWF. Uh, you were able to wrestle in the Dallas Sportatorium, uh, a notoriously uh, legendary building. A lot of people have different accounts on their experiences in that building. Uh, what was your experience uh, wrestling in the Sportatorium? I, I really enjoyed it because when we came in, um, the very first thing that happened to me was I walked in the locker room and the heels and the babies were in the same locker room. And I go, wait a second. You guys can be in the same locker room, and and I was like, oh my god, I, I may be able to pull this off, you know. I mean, we I, I came from we we passed notes back and forth. If you got caught talking, you got in trouble, and all of a sudden here's the heels and the babies in one locker room. I'm like, oh my god, I can I can pull this off, 
you know. So uh, I got awful. I got a, a lot, lot better as a handsome stranger because you had a lot more communication with really good wrestlers like Eddie Gilbert. But uh, my terminology of that was it was great because that's when they were repainting everything and the locker room was getting cleaned up and the sportatorium was very clean and, and repainted and fresh. So it was an excellent time to be at the sportatorium. It really was. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, now moving on a little bit here, uh, you joining WCW, uh, who was the one that initially brought you into WCW and who uh, signed you uh, when you uh, joined them? Officially, officially, it would probably be um, Dusty Rhodes. Officially, uh, uh, Magnum, Magnum uh, Global Global called me up and told me they were done, and they asked me to come out to do a couple more TV tapings. I literally hung the phone up, and I swear to God, in three minutes, three to five minutes, the phone rang, and it was Magnum TA. And I wasn't one of those kids that was a wrestling fan, really. I kind of knew it. We didn't watch it. I enjoyed it. I knew Gordon Soul. I knew who the Road Warriors were. I knew who Ric Flair was, but we just, you know, we just wouldn't, I wasn't a huge fan. My brothers were. And they came in and, uh, um, um, we, um, honestly, I'm sorry, I lost train of thought. No worries. Yeah, what were you saying? Oh, I was just saying, uh, how were you brought into uh, WCW? Oh, oh, yes. Yeah, so uh, she, you know, so really, when Dave Magnum calls me up and he goes, "This is Magnum TA," and I go, "I," I said, "Oh my God!" I said, "I'm sorry, who is this?" He goes, "Magnum TA," and, I, and it finally hit me, Magnum, Magnum. He's a wrestler, and so I went, "Oh, oh yes, yes, sir, yes, sir." He goes, "Dusty Rose wants to have an appointment with you tomorrow. I want you to come down." So I go down and I talk to Dusty. I said, "Dusty, they want me to come down and do a couple more things for Global, but I don't really want to do it. Can you just hire me?" So they hired me to a, a, a just one week, like, I mean, not a one week, like a one year school, school um, contract, 500 bucks a week, I think I was getting. And a week into that, Barry Wyndham tore his knee up. I went on the road, and I've been on the road ever since. Absolutely. Um, and when you were, uh, the first couple of years with WCW, you were part of a ton of tag teams uh, with Tom Zank, uh, Two Cold Scorpio, who we'll mention later on, uh, The Patriot with, as the Stars and Stripes groups, and Scotty Riggs. Um, of those uh, different tag team incarnations, uh, which did you most enjoy uh, working with? I, th- I think it was uh, It's hard, dude, because I really, I really had a lot of fun with all of them. But I think... I think if I had to tie it down, it would be, you know, two. Uh, it would be... Only because of the time. The time of it would have been me and Scorpio or me and Scotty Riggs. Because of the time, wrestling wasn't cool yet, and we still had something pretty cool. That's rare. Well, when wrestling got cool and we were cool, everybody was cool. But back when the American Males first did their video, that was cool on an uncool program. You know, so that that was kind of fun with American Male stuff, and you know, me and Scorpio, he had a great with a great one and a half finish, and I learned so much from Scorp, and and uh, we just we just had a great thing going, and then me and Riggs did too. But really, look at me and Steiner, look at me and Norton, look at me and Luger. I mean, there was a really a bunch of good tags there. Me and the Patriot, my God, Absolutely. he was spectacular. Mm-hmm. 
So I think I think the overall thing was just I really even Zinc I loved every one of them and I had great chemistry with all of them I really did. It's interesting uh, you mentioned about Too Cold Scorpio. Um, it seems as if uh, that Scorpio does not seem to share the same sentiment with you. Uh, is there a specific? Yeah, I noticed. I heard that. I heard that story. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it. What could have caused a sort of a rift between you guys? Is it just like a one-sided thing where he just doesn't like you and you're? Just... I really don't know. I've answered this. I've answered this on RFW video, or I think it's, I think they call it RFW. Um, um, I've done it on their website or whatever it's called. Their their video, and 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 I really don't know. And as I'm talking to them, they're the ones that did the video with him, and so I go. I go, well, what did you ask him? Keep in mind, I'm getting taped as we're saying this. And he goes, we just, we just brought your name up, and he just went off. And he, keep in mind, that trip happened. My wife went down to a, a trip in uh, St. Martin Island. But anybody that knows any guy, not Mark Bagwell, just a guy alone, there's no way a man would let another man talk to himself like that. There's going to be an altercation. There's going to be a push. There's going to be a shove. There's going to be a bloke broken face. There's going to be a eyeball ripped out. There's going to be some kind of altercation if somebody says what he says he said to me. And so none of that's true, of course. But maybe all that happened and he held it in and just didn't tell me. I don't know. But um, um, I don't. I don't. I don't really care. And we actually talked since then. He was pretty cool. And I just shoved it under the rug. Interesting, and and just one last quick thing on the subject. He wants to do a shoot fight with you. Uh, would you accept a challenge for a shoot fight? Yeah, absolutely. We draw some money on it. Absolutely. Awesome. Um, and uh, just another quick thing uh, during that time, the American Males. Uh, I want to get your thoughts when you first heard your theme song for the American Males because it's been legendary to a lot of wrestling fans since then. Believe it or not, if you've never heard that song. Without the words, it's one of the coolest songs you've ever heard in your life. But as soon as they put the words with it, it's ruined. So the first time I heard it, I heard it without the mute, without the words. And I was like, oh, my God, that's off the chain. That's great. That's perfect. And then all of a sudden, I see it come out on Saturday night you know, TV, and it's got the American mouth, American mouth. And I went, oh, my God. So it was uh, it was pretty, pretty rough when the words came out with it. Man. Um, so now moving on to uh, the New World Order. Uh, you joined the NWO November 25th, 1996. Uh, when were you told you were going to be joining the NWO and turning on your uh, partner there, Scotty Ricks? That day. Wow. That was in Salisbury, Maryland. And... Uh, I remember Kevin, Eric Bischoff was not a big fan of mine. He was, we were friends, I, I, I thought. He was my boss, and I respected him. But I knew, I could tell when he looked at me, I wasn't, I wasn't on the top of his list, let's just say that. I definitely wasn't one of Eric's favorites. Well, Kevin and everybody else on the team, I was big buddies with. And so Kevin and me, me and Kevin grew, grew up together in Atlanta way before wrestling. And... um so uh, he went to Eric. Eric goes, oh, Bagwell, you know, nah. So Eric's, I mean, Kevin's the one that came to him, and he goes, you're in. You know, I go, what? So they set this thing up. We're out, me, you know, 30 days to join. And 
here I come out, and, and Scotty, you know, came out with it. So, no, I, I knew that day, dude. It was like getting told you're in the, you know, the coolest rock band in the world overnight, you know. Absolutely. And also as part of that, uh, you were also part of the New Japan Pro Wrestling version of the NWO. Uh, what was it like uh, working in Japan as compared to America? Absolutely one million percent the other way, opposite. Um, but the good news is, is I finally learned how that was to do, and I kind of got the people behind me because I learned how they worked. But over here, when you give somebody a tackle, you know, just a simple tackle, you know, the crowd goes, ah, you know, if you do a tackle, drop down, hip toss, leapfrog, hip toss, they go, ah, in. Over there, if you do that, there's dead silence. But if you lock up and just do a clean break, they go, ooh. I mean, it's completely 100% different. If you go to Pentagon in Japan and he kicks out before three, oh, that's the biggest pop you can get. That's like, oh, you know. So you, they, they, they like a lot of submissions and kickouts and and, we, and so I came up with this thing, and I don't, I'm not quite sure what it means, but I got interviewed by the number one magazine in Japan, and it was Haidomo is this word. And it kind of means, excuse me, it's kind of like, like, like a slang term for several different meanings. But when you walk into restaurants over there, you hear, Haidomo. When you're leaving, you hear, Haidomo. If you trip on somebody, you hear, Haidomo. So I locked up with a guy, back him in the corner, and I'd back out and go, Hi, Domo! And the crowd would go ballistic. So every night, the man, the guy goes, comes down the boss, the Japanese boss, he goes, you, every night, you, Hi, Domo. And I said, yes, sir. And so what Scott Norton thought was going to get me killed actually got me kind of over over there. Wow. That's amazing. Norton thought I was going to be dead. <laughs> um. And also, uh, moving on a little bit, uh, I also want to talk about your feud uh, with Lex Luger, which led to your match at Starcade. Uh, what's like? Uh, what's Lex like uh, to work with? Sorry. And uh, were there any plans? Did they tell you about uh, any what your future was going to be like after uh, feuding with Lex, or was this just something to get yourself prepared for Starcade? Yeah, they, they they never really told stuff, you know, like where they were going with it. And, and, and to the point, honestly, we, did, we didn't even ask because they wasn't going to tell you the truth. You almost look silly and look like a mark just by asking. So you just didn't ask and you didn't care and you just did your job. Mm-hmm. But when we had to put over those two kids, Sean O'Hara, I think it was Palumbo and O'Hara we put over in Jacksonville. Um, it was the night before the WWF showed up in Panama City because we were in Jacksonville. And then we joined Panama City, and WWF was there. So we, when we lost the belts, and I remember Johnny Ace telling me that they were going to do, they were going to take like six weeks off. That's what I finally got out of before I walked up on the damage that had been done at Panama City. That we were going to take a break. We took a break, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and uh, I also want to move on a little bit more, uh, talking about uh, the match you had with Rick Steiner on the April 22nd edition of Thunder. Uh, it led to your next surgery. 
Um, could you just describe to people uh, just what happened in that match for those who don't know uh, what happened there? Well, you got to realize we're at the time where we're, uh, we're it's April 98. We are a complete, perfectly oiled wrestling machine called World Championship Wrestling. There's no stopping us. Everybody's good. Everybody's in shape. The matches are fantastic. The card is loaded. And we're in Columbia, South Carolina. The building sold out. And Rick comes off, hit me with the bulldog. And the finish of the match was a bulldog. And then when I'm laying there covered by Rick, Scotty slides in, hits Rick with a chair, puts me on top. One, two, three, NWO wins. So Rick hits me with a bulldog, but he misses me. And when he misses me, I try to catch up to him because it's live TV just so it don't look bad. But he kind of bounces back into me, which paralyzes me instantly. I mean, I'm paralyzed from the neck down instantly. And it ain't like stinger or I can kind of feel it. I'm flat out paralyzed. I know I am. I'm not a doctor, but I'm paralyzed. And, and I'm, I'm actually smothering in the mat. And Rick rolls me over, and I go... I'm, I'm paralyzed. And this is, keep in mind, the live cameras are rolling. So Rick rolls me on over, and now I'm telling Scott, you can see me talking. I'm going, Scott, no, 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 no. Well, he hears me. He hits Rick with a chair and just going to drape my arm over Rick. One, two, three, NWO wins. Well, when he drapes my arm over him, my arm, I'm, I'm paralyzed. My arm just comes back down to the side. One, two, three. Who wins? Because we're both on our back. So the announcers, what's going on? You know, because they really don't know what's going on either because they can call it better. So they don't look at what we're doing or know what we're doing. They call it as they see it because it sounds better. So they're like, what's going on with NWO here? What do they got going on tonight? You know, they're trying to play along. And long story short, it's just uh, I bruised my spinal cord is what ended up happening. And by the time I got to the MRI, three hours later, the doctor walks in and says, sit up. This is after MRIs and CAT scans and the CTs and blah, blah, blah. And he goes, sit up. I go, sit up. Keep in mind, I was just paralyzed three hours ago. And the human, I so amazed. I went to sit up. And he goes, You're, he goes how do you feel? I said, I feel fine. Well, you know, the good news was I fell fine. The bad news is we had to fix it, or and pretty quick, or it would have it could have hurt me if I'd have fell again. Wow. Um, and yeah, it was deep. It was deep. Wow. And and it led to uh, the segment when you came back from your uh, neck injury, uh, where you, you confronted Rick about it uh, on on the t- on TV, uh, and then it ended up you aligned yourself with Scott Steiner. Um, many people have brought up that it could have been a good moment where you could have been this uh, a very good baby face at that time uh, because because <laughs> of what happened. Just, what you just said, my parents literally have cried over. Mm-hmm. They've read the thousands and thousands of letters I got from fans when I got hurt. They, I, I could have became the biggest baby face ever I break my neck, and I call Eric, and I said, Eric, get a camera up here. And he goes, Mark, that's bad karma. You can't do that. But, you know, reality TV really wasn't out yet. This is the very beginning. Wrestling was kind of the beginning of reality TV. Mm -hmm. 
and, and he said, and he said, he said, that's bad karma. I said, Eric, who cares? You know, six months later, Triple H tore his quad. You would have thought he broke his whole spine. You know, so you got to make it big. You got to mean. I really break my neck on live TV, and we don't make the most of it. I don't understand. <laughs> and then I come back, and they have one match with me and Rick, and that was it. A year long angle was done in one match. Yeah, exactly. Um, but going on into a little bit more positive notes, um, yeah. you're you're known for your partnership with Scott Steiner. There's a whole bunch of Scott yeah. Steiner uh, stories out there. Um, how? When were you told you were going to be mainly partnered up with Scotty? And uh, as is there any uh, Scott Steiner stories that you'd be willing to tell for us here on Wrestling with Ideas? Yeah, you know, me and Scotty always got along great. We really did. Uh, there was never no. And just to the, at the very end, um, I don't know what happened to Scotty. He got well. Scotty looked incredible. There was nobody that was ever going to look better than Scotty. The only person that didn't know anybody was not going to look better than Scotty ever was Scotty. <laughs> nobody was going, ever going to look better than Scotty. He was the best. But we were like, Scotty, you know, help us out. Tell us what you're doing. Tell us your diet. And he just wouldn't do it. He's like, y'all figure it out. So we used to always joke about it. Well, our system was down pat every single Monday night. We went out. I did a nitro spill. I mean, he did a nitro spill. Holler if you hear me. He hands me the microphone. I do a little buff and stuff. Hand the microphone off. He has his match. We go back to the back. It happened like that every single night perfectly for several weeks. All of a sudden, one night, he hands the microphone off. So I didn't say anything. I thought, that's kind of weird. You know, that's your air time. That's a big deal. That's your air time to get over. And I said, uh, I said, so I got to the back and said, Scotty, I said, what's that? He goes, oh, my God, man, I'm so sorry. I totally forgot. I totally forgot. I said, that's okay. Don't worry about it, buddy. No problem. So the next Monday, we come out. He does his little holler, if you hear me, hands the mic off again. And I said, oh, my God. So he got to the back. I didn't say nothing out there, of course, and didn't, wasn't unprofessional. And, I, and plus, I like Scotty. So we got to the back, and I go, Scotty, I go, what is going on? And he said that he was upset about some things he had heard at the gym. So I was like, Scotty, if you're going to worry about what you're hearing at the gym between us, at this stage, it's getting ready to be a lot worse than this. I said, because we're going to get more popular. And there's going to be people more talking. If you're going to believe it, we are screwed. So he goes, you're right. I'm sorry. So we go out the next Monday. And he does it to me again. <laughs> I swear to God, he did. I went straight to Eric Bischoff. I said, Eric, he don't have to have me. I don't have to have him. He's a great guy. I love him to death. And, and Eric was like, great. So he put us together as a match, which put the Steiners back together. So we just had a singles match at Starcade, I think it was, and it all made sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I actually want to mention that. It was, it was Slamboree. Um, I believe, it was Slamber, you're right. You yeah. was. I remember S. Yes. And 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 I was just going to mention the match seemed notably stiffer on the part of Scott Steiner. Uh, was that part of the reason why he may have hit a little harder than usual in your matchup? Well, well absolutely. Before that match, I had to go to Scotty when he was getting taped. I had to go to him, and I said we had spoken about three weeks. All we had done is one interview 
which to this day is still the best interview I've ever done with another guy in my life, and it's me and Scotty in Cincinnati. And it's the interview when I go, maybe Scotty is just a little bit jealous. It's that, it's that interview, but Scotty's interview is off the chain, too. It's a really, really good interview. You know why? Because it's really a shoot. We're really mad at each other. We're, there's really heat. And Eric has put us against each other and didn't tell us nothing. So I don't know if he's going to try to beat me up. I don't, I'm, I'm scared to death out there. So before our match, I finally walk up to him. We ain't spoken three weeks, bro. And I walk up to him and I said, do I need to defend myself? And Scott goes, no. He thought about it, though. He had to think about it. He thought about it first, and he went, mm, no. I said, are you sure? He goes, no. Yeah, you don't, you don't got to defend yourself. So keep in mind, that's what he told me, but I don't know that. We go out there, we circle, we circle, and there's a 280-pound guy over there that can rip your head off at any time he wants to that you're going to go, please be working. And you walk up with him, and he's wrestling. So you're like, thank God, thank God. Man. Oh boy, I, I can't. I can't even fathom just like taking uh, s- stiff shots from Scott Steiner. Holy moly! Oh yeah, and the only time he really actually hurt me though, if you actually really watch the match back, when when Rick turns on me, Rick hands me the chair to supposedly hit Scott with it, but he hits me with a chair from not looking. If you watch the two brothers get on me, and if you watch. Him put me in the Steiner recliner. You can tell that he's a lot stiffer on that. <laughs> I think it's where he got it in. <laughs> man, oh boy, uh, Scotty's—he's he can. Scotty's an animal, man. He's tough. Is he ever? Um, so uh, moving on over to WCW 2000. Um, what were your thoughts on that year of WCW? First of all, uh, the whole year of 2000. Oh man, I mean, we, I, uh, the Titanic—we've we, been hit. We've been hit. We knew it, and uh, didn't know what to do. I mean, we—I knew when we were, you know, rolling down Nitro and rolling up Thunder at the same building. I knew, I knew it was over then. You know, we'd actually go to a Nitro and do Nitro and Thunder at the same building. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're talking about a rough crowd. If you're main event on both those matches, those people are seeing you. You know, four hours. You know, so it's just brutal. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, you're able to run. You're able to run the you know thunder with no commercials, but still, you're still talking about at least an hour to get it in. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so it was a lot of TV. Man, they were watching, it, and it just was too much, and it was going down. There was no stopping it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I want to get your thoughts uh, quickly here. Um, Dave Meltzer recently said that Russo had told him that he saw the potential in you being a bigger star and that he saw you having more charisma than The Rock. Uh, did Russo ever tell you anything like this uh, during your time in WCW uh, while you both were together? Not while we were together. He was... Um, uh, we. I don't, th- I don't really think me and him ever were very tight until me and him did the, his podcast. Me and him did his podcast a couple months ago and man, my phone rang off the hook about it. It was unbelievable. It was really good. We spoke nice to each other. It was a very good interview. But to be totally honest with you, bro, you know, he was a boss running a hundred babies. 
We were a bunch of babies. He was a professional babysitter, no different than a no different than a football coach, no different. <laughs> and a professional football coach, he's just a he's just a professional babysitter. And you got all these guys wanting money and complaining about their airline tickets and their rental cars. And it just it just got ridiculous. It got out of hand, <laughs> and we knew it was out of hand. But if you still didn't speak up, then you got left behind. So you had to speak up. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was a rough time. But he came in during that time, and he lost all of our faith, and I hated it. And I told him this on his podcast. Mm-hmm. He lost all our faith when he told us he was never going to go on TV, and he did. Mm-hmm. He told us he was never going to be seen on television, and that's why they had the Harris Brothers talk for him. And then before you know it, he was the world heavyweight champion beating everybody up with a bat. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and so he lost a lot of respect with that. Then they brought Eric back, and then they brought both of them back, and then by that time, you know, it was just, you know, ding, 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 ding. Yeah, absolutely. The circus, the circus has set in. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and uh, one last uh, thought from you on uh, 2000. Uh, the Judy Bagwell on a forklift match. Uh, how did that matchup uh, come about, and who was the person that pitched you that idea? Well, uh, that was when that was when Canyon was going around doing Dallas and Spain because Dallas was hurt, so he was going around doing Dallas and finish on people, and it was comedic. It was very funny, and he'd get my mom out of nowhere. He had he had the parking attendant, you know, it was hilarious. Um, uh, somehow it got down to me and him as a gimmick, as a as a match, and somehow it turned into a forklift match. And I, you know, back then, man, I said we knew we were had been hit. We knew we were the Titanic, and we knew we were sinking. Except the only difference Titanic knew roughly what time they were going down. We didn't know what time we were going down, mm-hmm. so we just knew we'd been hit. Mm-hmm. So uh, the Judy Bagwell, the forklift thing, we got, I got a smile on my face. I did the second to last. Me and Lex did the second to last cover ever. So Dallas Page did the last cover ever of WCW, and me and Lex were next to last. Wow. So um, it was just, it was just, it was just, you know, keep your mouth shut. So Vancouver, that pay per view, Judy Bagwell on the forklift match, uh, was the last pay per view of WCW's history. Mm-hmm. Man, oh man! Um, and uh, quickly, and, and oh. if wrestling was really keeping numbers, my mother would still be one half of the world tag team champions. Wow! I, I didn't. I <laughs> her, and Rick, her and Rick Steiner right now <laughs> are the world tag team champions for world championship wrestling. Wow, that's amazing! Um, Thank you about that. Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> Um, and uh, I just want to get your quick thoughts here on uh, when you uh, joined the WWF as part of the whole invasion angle and uh, just what happened there, your match with Booker T, and what eventually led to your departure with the WWF. To make a long story short, bro, I really think it was never meant to be. You don't put a match like Booker T and Buff Bagwell a week before uh, – you don't do the invasion a week before you're going to be in Atlanta. You just don't. Yeah. If you do, you don't, you don't do it with Booker T and Buff Bagwell in Tacoma, Washington. <laughs> 5,000 miles away, all we had to do is wait one week later, and it all makes sense. So you can't tell me right there there was something else up their sleeve that we did not know. 
Mm-hmm. We walked out. We got booed out of the building. Had a horrible match, and it was it fit right under Vince's plan. Why else would you put Booker T and Buff Bagwell in Tacoma? It just doesn't make sense. The next the next week in Atlanta, I get fired. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they fired me in Atlanta. Don't don't job me out to somebody. I'd rather them job me out and send me home. Yeah. Uh, but but literally, just get, go, just get out of here. <laughs> just you're fired, and they called it. They called it released. That was the best part. <laughs> Amazing. Um, yes. So uh, you're you're actually retiring uh, from professional wrestling. Uh, you're going to be on this retirement tour. Uh, what should people know about this retirement tour? And when would your last date of uh, when would your last match? Been, be? we're, we're, we I kind of we kind of rounded up that I started in May. Mm-hmm. Um, Back 28 years ago, so we're going to do May of next year, and you know, um, the, I, I just don't want to not be able to look like Buff Bagwell for the fans. I don't want to show up and look embarrassing or look like I'm not in shape, and I'm just I'm just not going to do that, you know. So I feel like it's getting harder for me to do that, and that's the last thing I want to do is show up and not be in shape for the fans and not actually be Buff Bagwell, you know. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so so with, I'm going I'm to try to give it a shot the best I can and stay in shape for everybody that's won last year and to see how I feel, you know. Thanks again for the interview, Buff, and uh, I hope the retirement tour uh, goes well for you. Thank you so much, Val. You have just listened to the greatest wrestling show on the planet. If you want to listen to older episodes of the show, including full interviews, make sure you check out Wrestling With Ideas on Podbean and on the Podbean app, or listen to us on our new SoundCloud page. We can also be found on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, Player FM, and many more. Make sure you keep on tuning in every Thursday at 6 p.m. to Wrestle With Ideas.